Welcome to Orange is the New Cast, the officially unofficial podcast for Netflix's Orange is the New Black. Today, we're going to be talking about episode 12 of season two. It was the change. I'm your host, Aaron, and joining me this week is... Kelly Anakin. Hi, everybody. Hey, Kelly. Kelly is, uh, if you don't know, from one of our sister podcasts in the Bald Move Network, Up Yours Downstairs. And in addition to Downton Abbey, you guys, your corner, if this were uh, Baltimore... Would be Edwardian <laughs> England, BBC, Edwardian England, PBS, uh, World War One, and post World War One. Anything that falls between the years of about 1912 to 1921, uh, it is an arbitrary rule that we decided on, and uh, it helps keep us honest. <laughs> okay, um, you are extremely funny. Uh, if oh, you listen, to, listen to you and Tom uh, and the hijinks and antics you get up to in your podcast, you guys are very quick and you guys are very funny. And that's not surprising because you are a comedian. And I am. You've got a new project that you'd like to talk about. I do. Uh, so I am releasing a comedy EP called 20 Minutes to Sell, uh, available through my website, kellyannikin.com. Uh, it's on Bandcamp and available for about three bucks. And I recorded it in this awesome little comedy basement in San Francisco called the Cynic Cave. Uh, it's the basement of a video store called Lost Weekend Video. It's a great place if anybody is out here. Um, wonderful place to catch a show. And uh, it's just got a really great sound. I'm super excited about it. I talk about uh, – people always ask me, they're like, Kelly, what do you talk about in your stand-up? And I'm like, uh, girl shit, <laughs> mostly. <laughs> Um, but you know, my, my comedy philosophy tends to be since there's, you know, so many men doing stand up, um, and the industry is, is really dominated by men, uh, on the business side as well. But I kind of try to do stand up like men don't matter. Um, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way, Aaron. <laughs> oh, I see. I see you've bought into the lesbian agenda that uh, exactly, Boo talks exactly. about extensively. I'm, I'm in deep cover. Deep, yeah, deep cover. Yeah. Well, I will not be uh, any of y'all. I will not be any of y'all slaves unless there <laughs> is leather uh, listen, and French dick. There's involved. really. It's not. It's not like a. You don't get a choice. So <laughs> I would. I would really recommend that you just work on your upper body strength. All um, right. No, but basically, and actually, men really like what I do as well. I've got a really great Star Wars joke that they always lose their minds over. Oh. Um, so it's just, you know, just trying to create a different voice and perspective, I guess, that's not as filtered through the male gaze. But anyway, I figured people who like Orange is the New Black would be into that. Yeah, it's uh, it's very oriented around girl shit as well. Then absolutely, and, sometimes literally oriented <laughs> around girl shit. Is this um, is this available currently now? It is available for pre-sale, and it will drop on September the 16th. Sweet. I will go ahead and link it in our show notes um, so people can get right there, because I know it's sometimes hard to remember URLs and stuff like that. Oh, so. yeah, man. Like That's why I just told people to go to my site, because I can't even remember how the Bandcamp URL works. Sure, sure. I keep getting it backwards, so sure. it's like, whatevs. All right. Well, speaking of girl shit and orange and new black, uh, we're talking about It Was the Change, uh, directed by Phil Abraham, who this this show was really in expert hands this week. It's directed by Phil Abraham, who's worked on Mad Men, Sons of Anarchy, Breaking Bad, Sopranos, won an Emmy work for his camera, uh, or it won an Emmy for his camera work on the pilot of Mad Men, and huh. uh, was nominated for an Emmy for directing two other Mad Men episodes. And he graduated, graduated, he graduated <laughs> from Wesleyan University with Matthew Weiner, the wiener, probably <laughs> how he got his Mad Men start. And uh, it was written by Sarah Hess, who is a writer-producer on Orange is the New Black, as well as House MD and Deadwood. So we're in good hands here, Kelly. Um, what did you think of this episode? 
Um, I liked it. It's it's between, you know, the ending of the previous episode uh, ends with, and I can't remember her character name, but, you know, the old lady stabbing not V. Right. And then, you know, we open this episode and we're in the aftermath of that. And at the end, we wind up sort of with V attacking Red. So, and, you know, and then you've got the whole hurricane situation. So it's definitely kind of like a stasis episode. We're really kind of just hanging out waiting literally for the storm to break. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, it's, it's still an excellent episode and it's really entertaining to watch. And there's a lot of really great emotional acting happening here. And, it, and it's weird. Cause you said stasis and I would probably say it's like, um, you know, setting up the chessboard for the finale kind of episode, which is Absolutely. weird since so much happened, you know, we had the attack on V we have the attack on red. We have tasty and, um, and Pusey hitting their lowest point, but kind of, you know, starting to, to mend that fence at the end. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're kind of like the, the the downfall of the House of Fig. Lots of stuff happened, but yet we also still are, like you said, in stasis with a lot of these characters, too. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I think it's, it's definitely an episode where a bunch of the characters see the writing on the wall, mm-hmm. but they're not going to be able to read it till next week. Mm-hmm. Let's get into the recap. Uh, Red is just losing her mind over i believe it's tazlitz is the uh got the, it the, the scariest of the old women who uh stabbed the not v and she's going on about how this is such a colossal fuck up um it is a really colossal fuck up i think the other the other golden girls are not <laughs> they don't have a good sense of perspective on how much of a fuck up this is yeah. And I do just I love red's just sort of micromanagerial approach to it where she's just telling them you know Listen, if you're going to kill somebody, you know, find the person, make sure it's the person you're going to kill, and then kill them. Like, it's not hard. I also like how there was a vanity that Tassus doesn't like to wear glasses because it makes her nose look big. That's why, yeah. <laughs> That's the root cause of failure here is, is uh, this this uh, Golden Girl's van- personal vanity, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. She's, uh, she's the Blanche, for <laughs> sure. um but you know i feel like that that sending a message could work if you were the more powerful player and Mm -hmm. you know like if red was if red was in v's position and she wanted to send a message by killing someone you know kind of tangibly related to like i guess a white woman of her stature yeah like if she killed gina yeah, to be like, look, uh, this is what's going to happen if you don't fucking get in line, but I still see you as a valuable enough piece. I don't want to kill you. I'm just trying to get yeah. you back in line. But when you're the underdog doing that, it just – the psychology doesn't work, right? No, and, I mean, just there's no margin for error no. when you're the the less powerful party sure. in this kind of conflict. I mean, you've got to be really, really intelligent about how you're going to play it. And, you know, and it, you know, it's not Red's fault. Red did not – she did not order the hit, which is another thing that makes her look even weaker. Because she can't even yeah. go to V and be like, look, my girl's got out of hand. What am I supposed to do? Because then she looks even weaker. Exactly. Uh, so she wants to do a parlay, which which uh, starts into motion. A lot of pirate-themed jokes, which I, I approve of. And uh, we go to the – I think it's the cafeteria where they're taping up windows. I don't know what what – what use the taping up windows would be when it looks like those windows already are like sandwiched between wire because it's a prison, but you know, yeah. whatever it's in, it's in the manual. You got to do what's in the manual. Absolutely. Talking about again, more evidence of how dilapidated this place is because Caputo is saying this place needs a, a whole new roof and they're getting a bucket brigade started. Um, Pousset is in the library, still drinking that really disgusting looking 
ceiling hooch that she yeah that she bruised. this breaks my heart just seeing her get to this point mm-hmm. and you know i don't think i've ever been as depressed as she is but just imagining being in prison being away from your family and your mm-hmm. friends and everyone you love and then the family that you've built inside to have them turn on you i mean it's just you know up is down black is white mm-hmm. cats and dogs Living playing together. poker <laughs> So she she sees Watson, who is now um, just openly dealing smack on her in, in her library, and she yeah. kind of dresses her down about losing um, about about not learning her lesson. Yeah, because she was just in shoe, and we know that that Watson has a really strong reaction to being in shoe. Certainly, we saw her shut down Yoga Jones in the right. last episode. Right, and. Uh, Watson also they they both just break my heart because Watson is such a promising person and she's so broken at this point and so apathetic. Sure. And that's I mean that's what Pusey is calling her out on. She's like, you know, hey, like, you know, it could be better and you know, Watson's just like, no, somebody's going to fuck me and I'm just going to bend over and take it. Yeah, that fatalism that it's going to be the prison, the man, someone's if V everyone's going to fuck you. At least V gives me 10%. That exactly. Is a it's just, like you said, sad. Uh, Piper is then whining about Fig uh, transferring her with a list of 12 other names that this is Fig fucking her personal, uh, that she can't get any more special favors from Healy. And do, you, do you believe that Fig is targeting her? Um, No, I I think it's pretty clear. Yeah, okay. I'm glad I'm not alone here because, like, re-watching this, I was like, really, bitch? Like, and I understand. I've, you know, I've been in plenty of situations where I'm like, oh, my God, you know, somebody's deliberately doing this. And Tom's like, you're literally insane. That doesn't make any sense. Um, But it's just, you know, Fig, Fig has no incentive, really. It's not as if anything Piper has done has worked, put it that way. Mm, I don't know she's because not, the journal. I think that she is mad about the radio show. That, and she's that. mad about that, but it's like you know, Fig still has all the power. It didn't actually cause any systemic change. Sure, sure. I think that's one of the things, though, that they're like. Even Caputo is saying that last last episode when she stormed in and banned the arts and craft supplies because mm-hmm. prisoner, you know, Soso is leading. I mean, Soso is the least threatening person. She's leading a hunger charge. Um, yeah. and Caputo's like, look, you know, you don't need to come down heavy on this. This is pretty much a yeah. handled situation, and now you're just going to pour gas on it. But Fig's kind of, I don't know, it's weird because every once in a while they'll throw in an episode like this one that tries to make us feel better for her or to redeem her or show us, like, what her ulterior yeah. game is. One of one of the criticisms I've seen of the show is that, like, they make everybody sympathetic, and I'm pretty much fine with that. I mean... Some of my favorite shows in the past, you know, have been like The Wire or Deadwood, where you just kind of see all facets of these people, and nobody's the villain in their story. Exactly. You know? I mean, so it's... I, I think you know, and I don't think it, it, I don't feel sympathetic to her by the end of this episode, but I also understand certain it... aspects of her better, I guess. Exactly, and that's the thing. Like you know, people say, well, even Hitler had a dog. He was a vegetarian. What I mean, everyone. <laughs> They're, 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 it, it's, I just I enjoy that I've never heard that Hitler had a dog as like a a humanizing. <laughs> I'm sure it's very common, but I've never heard that. No, but like <laughs> that the, that's very rare. Even when you talk about true monsters in history, that everyone's 100 percent a monster all the time, and it's I think it's a lot more uncomfortable to confront the humanity oh, in our monsters. Like that, you know, Fig is actually kind of a crusader, and she wants to fight corruption and and uh, yeah, criminalization she's, she's policies at a very agenda, high level. Yes, she, 
she's lost sight of the the forest for the trees. Right. Um, um, did you read out of curiosity the uh, series of articles? I think it's like the Washington like Alt Weekly. I think. Uh, like an ex-con watches Orange is the New Black. I watched I, – I read two or three at the beginning of the season. Um, and then we've gotten quite a bit of uh, – probably three or four pieces of emails from people that have been in prison or had relatives in prison. Uh-huh. But no, I haven't in the last probably five or six weeks. She only did any. like seven episodes because it made her so mad. I bet. But like I almost wish I hadn't read them because it's really diminished my enjoyment of the show. Just yeah. like – her calling out like the logistics of things like for example the arts and crafts she's like okay they have scissors there's no way they're gonna let them have scissors that sounds perfectly reasonable <laughs> yeah and i'm like oh like that's a good point uh, yeah. i mean i think you know i think it's good to just draw attention to like what is prison actually like right but it definitely it definitely like bummed me out i was like oh i really like this show right and now you've brought reality into it but i mean wah, that's wah. that's kind of uh, sobering to hear that even this depiction of a shithole prison in fiction is yeah, kind of rosy. Even approach how terrible it actually is. Yeah, it's actually a little bit rosy, and I, I know that there are, you know, there are certainly better prisons. You know, the ones that Martha Stewart get, gets assigned to that Yoga Jones <laughs> is super excited about. But, but if yeah. you're talking about the average federal and state penitentiary experience, oh, this absolutely. is this is kind of probably uh, sugarcoating it a bit. Well, and even as I'm bummed that my enjoyment of the show has diminished, I realize what a, you know, first world problem that is. And, you know, hopefully, you know, and I think one of the goals of the show is to kind of bring all of this to light. And, you know, even if they're not portraying it super faithfully, at least having this conversation about this is how we're treating these people in our society. No, I don't. Definitely like stimulating this conversation about whether that's right and whether that's appropriate. Definitely like that about this season, too. I think they've done really well is ask those type i mean they've gone beyond just this personal drama between the prisoners and actually asked big social questions like you Mm -hmm. know what do we do in prison and with sentencing and is this really justice and what do we do with the aging prison population etc um they're doing doing yeoman's work really yeah i agree i absolutely agree uh so one of uh red's official envoys brings a black flag to v working out of the commissary because it's international symbol for parlay I did not know that. I don't know whether they got that from Pirates of the Caribbean or if that's a real thing. Maybe it's Henry Rollins. <laughs> <laughs> Timely. What's up, everybody? I do comedy. <laughs> um, but it's a thing, and uh, apparently the message is sent, um, which then leads to the next scene of Poussey going and just fucking shit up righteously in the janitorial closet. Again, I'm going to just completely fangirl out on Samira Wiley because her facial exp- – like, she's got this amazing, like, rubber face. Yeah, no, truly. She just – and just every every shade of every emotion is just so visible on her face. Like, I went to school for acting, and mm. I watch her, and I'm like, why did I ever think I could do this? Right. Like, it's just – it's so amazing to watch, and I really hope um, – because Uzo Aduba just won – the Emmy for um, featured guest or whatever that category is. Right. And I really hope that they're submitting Samira Wiley for that next year. Her work this season is remarkable. No, she had a, a huge role to play this year and she did such a great job. And in this scene in particular, like you said, I don't know if you've ever engaged in any kind of um, revenge oriented destruction or something <laughs> like that, but that's like, I just felt like it was so true. The whole, 
like when you're in the middle of it, you feel like, oh my God, this is this is this is something big, and this is going to probably get me into a land of shit. And it's like looking mm-hmm. over the edge of the Grand Canyon, but it's also exhilarating. And she kind of spread her arms like to the invisible presence of V in the room, and like, what's up? Yeah, uh, you know, fuck you. And she's just so proud of the and the bleach. The bleach was a nice touch. I mean, just throwing the. Did you see the the brand name on the bleach was Rocks Rocks. <laughs> oh no. And I, I am a weird person. And one of like, there's a couple of jobs that I would love to have one writing descriptions for cable TV shows on the, Mm. on the guide, Mm -hmm. uh, that your cable provider has, uh, naming nail polishes and coming up with fake product names for television shows. Mm. Uh, but that one I felt was lazy. I think rocks rocks is not super good. Yeah. Set, set dressing people. It, uh, you know, I'm, I'm gonna Listen, say, I'm sure it's literally the last thing that they have to do. Right. And, you know, they're not copywriters. Yeah. It's not their job to be clever or funny. Right, right. But uh, I, I just found that hilarious. Just wanted to point that out. <laughs> so we'll <laughs> see how that falls out. We then cut to Fig at her office. She's uh, talking to this torpy controller guy with New York Giant socks on. And he's starting to ask some questions about some perhaps potential overlap in spending and she goes, you know what? You should be my guest at a cocktail party I'm having tonight. Tiki Barber will be there, uh, who is, uh, hmm. I don't, if you're a sports fan, Tiki Barber is a somewhat disgraced former running back for the New York Giants. Um, I don't know how excited a real New York Giants fan would be to meet him, but I'm not a New York yeah, Giants fan. I am, I am so not hooked into football in any way, particularly not New York football. So, Well, we're going to have to deport <laughs> you to Canada because it's about to kick off next weekend, and it's clearly the most important thing going on in America right now. I don't know, you know how you could pay attention to anything else and be a good American. What's, what's great is I'm so busy um, engaging in capitalism. That. Oh, you got so you got the sta- the cat you got that stamp. Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. my excuse. That's how I've managed to not be in prison for thought crimes. Well, as long as your papers are in order, I think. Yes. Uh, oh, absolutely. We can. I can go to that. Arizona anytime. <laughs> uh, Bennett sidles up to uh, Daya and says, "You can't ignore me forever," uh, which triggers off a conversation about you know fatherhood and him maybe having a son, maybe having a daughter. One of the things I think is super interesting this season, and I've talked about it a lot, is that they've really turned the tables on this Bennett Dyer relationship. From last year's, it was this cute thing that you kind of pulled for to this thing that's now increasingly disturbing and has a lot of questions that are mm-hmm. real life things that you would have to think about and are not romantic at all and kind of exploitative. What what are your thoughts on their whole relationship arc? Because it's been a while since we talked to you. Yeah, I'm so bored with it, actually. Really? I'm so bored with it. Like, I feel like there is a way for it to be interesting, but it's like the concept is so kind of sensational. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea like, oh, they're having this prison romance. And, I mean, I even agree with you. Like, they're dealing with real-life relationship Things And I mean, it's, it's made more dramatic by the fact that, you know, he, if he claims paternity with his child, then he's going to go to prison and just all this really horrible stuff. But I just, every time that they're on screen together, it's like on Dr. Quinn Medicine Woman when Sully and Dr. (laughs) Mike finally got together and then like the show kept going and it was like, well, why is the show keep going? Uh. Like, 
It's the movie. You no, know, we've all we've all got what we wanted out of this. Like that's a very opportunistic one night stand approach to television. Sure, sure. But, <laughs> you know, and and it's just it's not it's not compelling to me. And I I may be alone, but I I just I'm not super interested in. I would actually rather spend more time with um, Alita and Daya. Honestly, right. I would rather see their mother daughter dynamic play out a little bit more. Yeah, I just think that it's. It is somewhat interesting, the whole, uh, especially with this, the, the statutory rape law that's in effect right. with this and what does that mean and what are the implications and, mm-hmm. you know, could I give her consent and what does that say about Bennett and we think he's such a good guy, but is he really? And I, I feel like it's it's not interesting from a uh, them getting together and them having a relationship perspective, although I'm kind of curious to see how this plays out in season three. Mm-hmm. It's more interesting I mean, about think- the what what does this mean and what does it say about the larger – stuff that's going on in the prison. Yeah. What I'll also say though, is I feel like, you know, as we were talking about this episode is sort of this, you know, calm before the storm. I feel like mm-hmm. this whole season is the calm before the storm for Daya and Bennett. Um, mm, Cause I mean, nothing, sure. nothing's really happened. Right. They're still living this with this sword of Damocles hanging over their head, but it hasn't fallen exactly. yet. And it looks like, you know, they could like the, what he lays out here is a scenario in which he's kind of this creepy uncle that hangs around the family, but they can't, exactly. you know, but, but, but her real daddy is the guy who raped her mommy and he's in prison and, uh, it's, mm-hmm. and, and die is like, you and, know, this, look, that's not I mean, a life. These are good conversations, but I feel like they keep having the same conversation. I feel sure. like the conversation doesn't move forward. That might be fair. So I think, I think that's why I'm bored. I think it's just that I feel like they keep, you know, running in circles around this thing. And I'm like, okay, like I know how that's how conversations work in real life. Hmm. But let's gussy it up for the camera. All right. Let's move on to V having confrontation with Tasty where she says, you know what? Uh, your, your your relationship with Pusey is bad for business, so I'm exiling you, kid. Yeah. Uh, which really hurts Tasty and triggers a V flashback uh, to her having hot flashes. Mm-hmm. Would you care to comment on any of this? Yeah, I liked this scene um, because it gets at, you know – Everybody's insecure about aging, mm-hmm. but I think, you know, women in particular, mm-hmm. due to the existence of the old uh, adage, men age, women rot, that's a <laughs> very real thing that we uh, have to cope with. Mm-hmm. Not that we do rot, but that that's what people think mm-hmm. if you start to age. Um, and and particularly somebody like V, who is not emotionally mature. I mean, she's chosen this life where her whole, you know, family and network are these kids who are 30 years younger than she is. Sure. And, you know, she's done that because it's expedient for her business model, but also, you know, they they say that thing about like, you know, if you're a teacher, you're kind of like stuck at the the emotional development of the students that you teach. Hmm, interesting. And I'm not sure that that's true across the board, but I've definitely seen teachers where I'm like, wow, you are a mental preschooler, basically, in your approach to interacting. Um, anyway, but, you know, V's, V's very upset about aging, and RJ is is reassuring her and saying, you know, oh, you know, if you weren't practically my mom, I would bone you. And she, like, laughs. and But, I mean, that does the trick. She's getting super depressed, and mm-hmm. she's 50. Mm-hmm. And uh, he pulls her out of that, and she's like, oh, you're being ridiculous, blah, blah, blah. But it's a, it's a little bit of an uncomfortable moment. Like, it is. It's like suddenly Miss Hannigan's orphanage got super sexualized. Yeah, it's, it's on really top of the drug dealing. weird. <laughs> um, yeah, it's definitely uncomfortable. 
And, you know, spoiler alert, it's going to get worse. Um, Ru- there's a conversation with Ruiz and her mute, apparently mute boyfriend, um, where she's just, because this is the other, f- the unfortunate situation with Piper is that there's this fallout with that's involving these other prisoners. And we really kind of see it with Ruiz that she's worried that, you know, um, Piper's family doesn't give a shit enough about her to go visit her down south. Uh, mm-hmm. Her family doesn't have the funding and the wherewithal to do it. And she's just worried. It's like, you look, you got to talk to her baby all the time. You fucking monosyllabic um, <laughs> uh, mute. This, you, I don't want my baby to be weird. And, and, well, and she says the thing that really broke my heart, and I was like weeping in this scene the first time I saw it. Because I am, I mean, our podcast notwithstanding, I'm married to a man of very few words. Mm. So I, I feel very, um, I feel like kinship with this relationship between Ruiz and, <laughs> and her boyfriend. Okay. Um, but like when she's saying you have to talk to her so she doesn't wind up like me. Mm. And it just is so heartbreaking. And I love Ruiz. She's somebody I hope we see more of. I think the actress does an amazing job with that character. And I'm really curious sort of what is her story? Like how did she get here? And, you know, seeing her with her baby is just so sweet and it's just awful that she's going to have to leave. Right. No, it would be it would be cool to flesh out their other Latina storyline because I'd like to hear more about that. Yeah, Flacca I think the Latinas and... definitely get short shrift on the show. Well, I mean, we got the Diaback story, her mom and Gloria, which is half of the Latino population. Mm-hmm. So I feel like if we get uh, the Flaccas and the Ruizes of the world next season, then all will be okay. If if I not, then... I love so much that yesterday I was waiting for the train, uh-huh. and I saw a girl with a Smith sweatshirt on, uh-huh. and that was the first person I thought of was Flacca. Yeah, sure. Character. No, she's, <laughs> she's awesome. And what yeah. really makes the scene poignant later is when you realize, when she's talking and you find out that she doesn't, she sees no hope in this situation. For herself no, or her got, daughter. She's got six more years regardless of where she is. Right. And now she's going to – now that she's not even going to have weekly or semi-weekly contact with either, she's like, it's just a foregone conclusion. He's going to find someone else. Yep. She's going to accept that as her mother, and I'm going to have no say of it, and I'm going to be an interloper, and it's just really, really sad. It's actually – it's an interesting mirror of the Daya Bennett situation, mm. you know? I mean, it's it's different circumstances. And, no, that's tasty. Uh, you know – Nobody conceived that baby like that baby's conception was not a crime, mm-hmm. but like it's it's this situation where it's like, you know, your parent is the person who is there and feeds you and bathes you and sends you off to school. And if you aren't doing that and they can't even see you, like, how does that work? Right. Uh, we see a scene of uh, Fig with her hubby and she is keeping her sperm in with a kind of uh, uh, a, a reverse watermelon pose. Uh, to use my (laughs) yoga terms i (laughs) don't know uh but she's saying hey look i'm not cool with what we're doing anymore i'm it's i'm not it was fun at first uh but i'm not sleeping because apparently somewhere deep down she has some sort of vestigial conscious structure yeah no and i just i don't know like i don't understand people who embezzle like i don't get it i i mean math doesn't lie you have to be really good at math uh, to make it work. And very few people are that good. And also I'm like, you know, this guy's running for office. I know that, you know, politics is actually corrupt, Sure. but it's like, you know, figure out a smarter way to do this because, you know, this is just some rando CPA who's 
you know, figured out your scam. Right. Yeah. And it's like, and I mean, and moreover, like she's like, I'm not comfortable doing it. Like it doesn't really matter at this point if you're not comfortable doing it because you've already done it. The evidence is all there. No, it's funny because I've got a little insight into psychology of this because I used to work um, at the corporate level for a a chain of convenience stores. And mm-hmm. every fucking year, a manager uh, or other high-level kind of store employee would try to start floating the books. And it always right. – it's it's not like they're just like, hey, I want a new flat-screen TV. It's like they're in serious trouble. You know, car needs repair. Their kids need something, you know, medical or, or dental related or they need to buy books. For, I mean it's it's always a sad, sad story. And they're always like, yeah. you know, I'll just take this and then I'll pay it back next month and no, it'll, and it'll work it's, out. It's interesting because um, I actually have like very tangentially like my aunt and uncle, like my my aunt's sister. So they're not actually related to me, but – in the last year, it was discovered that she and her daughter, who were both working for this um, municipal office that handles a lot of, like, speeding tickets and stuff. Sure. They'd been, like, skimming off the top for years and both went to jail. Yeah. And, I mean, and the family, their family was suspicious because they'd be like, we're in these dire straits. And then all of a sudden it was fine. Right. Um, but, I mean, they were doing this for, like, a decade. And that well, blew my mind. And that's the other part of the psychology is, like, they feel really guilty and really bad. And then they kind of wait and wait to be figured out. But the fact is, it's it's you always get caught. But the time between you getting caught and, um, you know, you doing it to being caught is hugely variable. It might be months. Yeah. It might be years. And – and what always happens is, you know, a month goes by, two months goes by, the hammer never comes, and then something else happens. Yeah. And it's like, well, just go back to that well. And then, you know, it's – like I said, it's always sad because it always starts from a place of need and it's very, um, you know, Jean Valjean. But then, you know, <laughs> five, six figures get stolen and it's not just a loaf of bread anymore. But that's the psychology. It's like it always starts with this critical point. But then, you know, just like you do anything else, it just gets easier and easier. So I figure that's yeah. that's what, like, you know, he was going to lose a campaign, and they're they're going to have to lay off all their campaign workers, and they just did this just one time. We promise this one time, and then, you know. Yeah, and then, you know, once you've done it, you're like, oh, well, it's okay. Let's go back there. Let's do that again. What do you think of – so she, he's there's a couple slimy things here. He basically says, your career is not as important as mine career, which – is objectively true, but it's nothing, never something you, I think you want to deploy on a partner. Like, you know, yeah. running for I state mean, senate is more important than assistant warden. But on the other hand, you are the one buttering the bread. So maybe I should treat you more as a respected equal. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's odd to me. Um, I've always had a really supportive partner and mm-hmm. it was clear very early on. It's, it's been interesting in my relationship because. Tom's still the primary breadwinner, mm-hmm. but I work much harder than he does. Sure. Um, I'm just working in, you know, lower income fields. Right. And at the same time, all of our sort of, you know, moves have been in support of my career. Sure. And just very early on, we had that discussion and said, okay, we're prioritizing this. Mm-hmm. And this is our priority. Um, I mean, I mean, obviously – Fig and Mr. Fig are not a model for any healthy relationship. I mean, there's obviously a lot of crazy things going on between them, and they don't communicate well. Sure, sure. Um, the whole you know, closeted they're more, they're more business partners than yeah. spouses. Except for I don't think she knows that. I think, yeah, I think, I mean, we see in this episode sort of her processing that, and it kind of blows my mind that you could be in a marriage and not realize that, but I don't it know. It happens all the time, though. 
I know. And I just, I guess I'm very lucky that that's not happened to me. But again, it's like, listen, dude, you have already, like, he's just like losing points in this whole conversation. Cause he's like, Oh yeah, you're uncomfortable doing this, you know, cooking the books. Sorry. You're going to have to keep doing that. And also I'm way more important than you. And also like, I held up. That's my- not what you want to say to the person who you want to, you know, embezzle money for you. Right. And also I came inside of you. I held up my end of the bargain. Now you need to get pregnant or not. Yeah. I don't really care. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, you know how pregnancy works because we don't really have any control over that. Yeah, I mean, right. I assume she's tracking all of her fertility symptoms, um, but, you know, it really is a crapshoot. No, yeah, and I, don't, I think the, 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 the old P&V maybe once a month uh, is probably not going to get it done, especially since Fig seems like she's in her – Late thirties, early forties, which is already it's, it's already I mean, stacking I, the deck you know, against against conception already. I I totally agree, and um, yeah, I have like such mixed feelings about like seeing women in that you know whatever position you know keeping the sperm in or whatever. The reverse watermelon. Yeah, it's like on the one hand, I'm always happy to see anybody depicting the mechanics of the female anatomy and how this whole <laughs> you know rickety contra- contraption works. Yeah. But at the same time, I just feel like I see that all the time. And uh-huh. I always think about the Big Lebowski when I see it. Uh, right. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. It's just I, I don't even have a point. I just want to say, um, is that the only way that you can keep this firm in? Are there more interesting, dramatically compelling positions? I would like to see that. Uh, the hu- I'd like to see someone do what I'd like to call the human centrifuge, oh. where he the, the, the male grabs his female by the ankles and spins her vigorously for you know 30 to 45 seconds to really to really force that fluid yeah, down the to funnel really get and then, it up there in the surface yeah 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 right would be, and actually honestly i've never thought about that before so when i try to conceive i think that's what i'm going to do yeah the human centrifuge i, I think that's uh, definitely uh, when i write my ferti- my award winning fer- fertility book uh, that's going to be the <laughs> cornerstone of it um so water is now coming up through all the shitters uh because of hydrodynamics huh Girl, Girl shit. shit. Girl all shit. It. It's coming back up the, the haunt us all. Uh, we see the par- parlay with Red uh, in the middle as a storm continues to rage outside the greenhouse. And, uh, you know, Red tries to kind of smooth things over. Uh, she falls back to the whole, it was a message hit because she's seen she's not getting anywhere. V says, fuck this noise. My feelings are hurt. I'm, I was going to share it and I'm going to take it. Uh, and then she it gets really real fast when she drops the fact that she knows where her son lives because that was V's trump card or I'm sorry Red's yeah. like the the this end of the tunnel's worth nothing if you don't know where the other end is and now she's got some leverage on that which makes V out to be much more of a player than I would have considered like up to this He's point real scary up to this point I thought V it was I kind of thought Pusey was right that you know hey she's kind of like a pedophile only as a drug dealer and that she can only re- but she's got some real world connections that mm-hmm. uh you know are, are are kind of scary so I don't know Well I mean the other thing to consider I'm like yeah she is like a pedophile but the kids grew up you know Mhm They grew up into scary mini Vs True True, and then she resents them for that, as we'll see in this exactly. next in this next flashback, where she we see that some of her power comes from dirty cops, yes. and she's making coffee for one who drops a little tidbit that hey, your boy RJ is going into business for himself behind your back, which is going to set up ongoing plot. I don't know if you had anything to comment on that, or do we get to 
Yeah, I mean, I, I always enjoy seeing how criminals do their work, and I thought this is a perfectly serviceable scene of that. Yeah, I love getting um, a little bit of my wire and my, my orange of the new black. Absolutely. And I, uh, I, I also want to say there's really excellent wig work going on here for V. V's got <laughs> hella wigs, and uh, she looks great in all of them, and I just want to point that out. That's right. Um, let's see. Black Cindy announces that if it comes to swimming, I will save myself. I will stand on a bitch's head. And we- I, I now want to see a web series about Black Cindy on the Titanic. <laughs> I would love to see her on the Titanic. Like, funny or die. Make Mo- this happen. like, Molly Brown, bitch, you're going to be sinkable. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see. Uh, maybe we can get Kathy Bates to come back and just have this battle royale. That would be amazing. I think that I mean, might. Kathy that, Bates is doing uh, American Horror. I was going to say we. This might be the the one of the plots for the new American Horror. I'm I'm super excited now. Yeah. Oh, I'm always excited about American Horror Story. I can't get any worse than Coven, so I'm very optimistic. <laughs> you know, it's funny because my so Cecily and I are doing a American Horror Story podcast, <gasps> but we my first introduction of American Horror was last year with Coven, and I. I gotta say, I loved it. I mean, listen, I think I would have liked it fine had Asylum not been so amazing. See, I gotta go um, back and watch particularly it. Particularly as a lapsed Catholic, it's set in this, you know, sure. Catholic insane asylum in the 1960s, and Sarah Paulson as Lana Winters is basically mm. everything that my lesbian agenda and I want to be. <laughs> so, <laughs> right on, right on. It was, it was so good. It was so good. Um, but yeah, I mean, I. I don't always like what Ryan Murphy does, but I love American Horror Story so much. I did too, and because I'm a I'm a horror virgin, um, my first exposure to horror was with like kind of um, you know Jim prepping me for The Walking Dead. Sure, so like sure. a lot of like you know fairly elementary cheap horror scare tactics just work mm-hmm. on me like a six year old boy. Um, yeah, I, I didn't get into horror until my early twenties because I was always too scared before that. And okay. like, I would, I would like still to this day, like, I think I watched evil dead two for the first time, sure. uh, like last year mm-hmm. and I was seriously like yelping in fright, which, which is funny. I don't know. I think it's fun. It's funny. It's yeah. Yeah. Too. No, it's totally, it's funny. Cause that's even barely a horror film and I'm getting into but it's like, still really fucking scary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Let's see. Oh, back to the story. Uh, the the whole th- the point of this scene is Tasty getting freezed out by the whole crew now. It's not just V not having a part of her. It's, it's all of V's crew, which is basically almost all the black women in, in the prison um, are now no longer being her friend. And she's bummed out by that. Yeah, she uh, she should be bummed. It's not fun to get frozen out by your friends. And I say that mainly as somebody who's done more freezing out than been frozen out. But still, it's not cool. Right, right. Um, the, the oldest game in the, in, in the, uh, the oldest game in the world exclusion. Oh, uh, absolutely. The electrical crew and consisting of Piper and Nikki and loose check are going down into the flooded basement to do electrical repair, which I'm already noping the fuck out of all of this before we even got the dead rats floating. Yeah. Uh, they find out, uh, that there is loose check just thought that there's something wrong with the pumps, but in fact, there's no diesel in the generator tank. And we see that the we intimate that Fig has struck again, mm-hmm. and we then go to Fig's party, and I'll be damned if the real Tiki Barber isn't there, um, making some economic, social, political comment that I'm not hip enough to understand, <laughs> and I don't think he is either. Um, 
but uh, well, he's he's got a coach. Yeah, right, right. You know, they they practice before he goes to political fundraisers, and it's great. <laughs> right, right. Uh, and we find that Joe Caputo has called six times, and she puts him off again, and she kind of uh, cozies up this prison contractor who's been involved with a lot of the embezzling. We kind of read between the lines and gets rewarded by a smack on her ass. My notes say, Jesus. Care to comment? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, that kind of thing happens a lot. I actually just had something like that happen to me last night. Oh. And it was re- it wasn't my butt, but it was it was definitely still some like questionable touching at this comedy show I was doing. And in my case, I was like, I don't know if you're just socially awkward or if you're like attracted to me or like what's going on. But it is in in the thing that sucks is and as we see with Fig, like it often does not do you any good to call it out. Cuz no. obviously this is a person who she needs in her corner and she can't you know, assert her control of her body because if she does that, then the whole house of cards falls down. No, um, it, it happens yeah. with, with startlingly, startling frequency with, with yeah. women. And I think that's one thing that, um, you know, there's a really great, because a lot of guys like, I never see this happening. And that's part of the whole patriarchal stew is if a yeah. woman is escorted by a man in a public space, men accord the other man the respect of not, you know, uh, denigrating his woman or disrespecting mm-hmm. his woman. If a woman's unescorted, that's when she gets all the shit. And that's why, you know, Absolutely. quote unquote, decent dudes never see this shit go down. Well, I've never and, seen. And the other thing too is like, it happens so frequently that we just don't even make a big deal about it anymore. Right. Right. Like if I, you know, if you talked about every time you got harassed, that's all we would ever talk about. Right. And you know, even though we aren't considered real citizens, we do have lives. No, seriously. And we want to live them. People just – and they don't even respect your boundaries when you state them. I was at a great comedy festival in Iowa earlier this year. Uh, if anybody's in Iowa, it's the Green Gravel Comedy Festival. Yeah. But um, we were having like a bonfire after the shows one night, and I was hanging with my friend who happens to be a lesbian, not mm-hmm. just part of the agenda. Mm-hmm. She's a legit lesbian. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were hanging out, and this drunk dude comes up to us, and he's like hitting on my friend, and she's like, I'm a lesbian. He then immediately turns to me and starts hitting on me, and I'm like, oh, I'm married. And he, like, didn't respect that from either one of us. Mm. He was like, oh, like, whatever. Like, you should still, like, hook up with me. And I'm like, dude, who are you? I have no idea who you are. Yeah. Even if I did, this would be inappropriate. Yeah, and I don't – it's weird because as a guy – and I I apologize for anyone that's kind of – that finds this discussion of social issues tedious, but – you know, deal. Um, it's, <laughs> I don't apologize at all. Uh, it's, I think this is an important conversation. I, it, it's funny because it's a source of constant frustration as a guy who would very much like to fight against that, that, you know, there's very few opportunities where, I mean, about the only time, and I think it's an important thing is like when you're friends with guys in your life and you hear them recount stories like that. Because occasionally some people are so unaware of how wrong that is uh-huh. that you know when us dudes in our dude group start drinking they'll start confessing to mm-hmm. sexual assault to rape to all kinds of things and it's you know there's this intense social pressure to be like haha cool story bro but i yeah. think it's very important to actually be like yeah that's not cool you're yeah, rape real- is never cool you're, you're you're i don't know what you've heard but it's never cool and it's it's you know and that's the other thing it's like the whole like 
I'm not talking like violent rape. I'm talking about the kind of campus rape and the, you know, the inability to consent that is just, you know, it's, 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 yeah. very, it's real date rape. rape which it's, I, always, I, I always think that's hilarious that there's date rape. Like we don't have date murder, right, you right. know, like nobody's like, Oh, Hey, you know, we're going to go to a movie and we're going to get some pasta and then I'm going to rape you like just a little bit. Well, it's, we, it's weird because we're going through, we are living through the time in which this is being redefined because 30 years ago, there was no such thing as date rape. No, it was a woman that, uh, you know, shouldn't have been drinking and was regretting decisions she made right before. And no one would ever consider that that being rape. Yeah. And now, and that's like, I kind of, um, if you're the guy in these situations where this is the way the game has always been played and now suddenly people want to call you a rapist, um, that is a hard thing to hear. And that's a hard thing to internalize and change. Do you understand what I'm saying? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm not and trying to be apologist for rape. I'm just trying to say that no, from no, no. the and other look, side I mean, of the coin, it's, it's, it's a rough transition, you know? It's, it is important to consider, you know, what is being asked of men and I'm, empathetic with it even as i'm extremely passionate that you guys kind of have the lion's share of work to do since we've Certainly. been getting raped for millennia and that's why it's, <laughs> it's weird because i know surprisingly this podcast is actually for, as far as i can tell about 50 50 men and women listen to it so i'm mm-hmm. what i'm i'm speaking now to the men and saying that you know it's okay to feel this confusion and it's okay to feel like the rules are being rewritten because they are they're totally being yeah, rewritten. the rules are being rewritten and it's like you know if you've made a mistake in the past, okay, maybe make amends and just don't do it again. Yeah. It's all about educating yourself and, and you know, recognizing your privilege. Yes. And it's, it's hard work. I've had to do it in many instances in my life, but Certainly. it's really valuable work. And it really opens your world up when you start considering parts of the population to be human beings that you hadn't considered before. And it, it, it enriches – that's the other thing is a lot of people like, you know, well, this and no one's going to have sex anymore. Or this is just – this is not fun or this is, you know, the wet blanket. It's it, – I promise you it's the opposite. What's it, really interesting to me – this is kind of a leap, but um, I listened a couple of years ago to the old um, comic relief specials. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Robin Williams, Billy Crystal, and uh, Whoopi Goldberg mm-hmm. did these on HBO. Sure. And it was it was right around the time that AIDS broke through to the mainstream public consciousness, and it it stopped being a gay issue. Mm-hmm. And you know, up until that time, like since the invention of penicillin, people could just you know bear back all they wanted. Right. The worst and, you could get is herpes, which yeah. Well, is, let's be honest, is not. But, and, but yeah, it's not terrible. Oh yeah, herpes. Like everybody has herpes. Sure. Like, whatever. Scarlett but, Johansson. Uh, if you're if you're like grossed out by hip herpes, no, Scarlett Johansson has herpes. So oh, there you go, guys. I feel really good about myself now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to use that. Well, I have herpes and so does Scarlett Johansson, so I'm recording an album of Tom Waits covers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. I laughed so hard anyway. I couldn't breathe. Well done. Uh, my next album. <laughs> so, um, no, but um, comics, anyway, you know, I think anytime you listen to comedy, you're hearing this like snapshot of what sort of the public opinion was about things and they were so angry about condoms mm, mm-hmm. they thought that it was the end of sex sure and i you know i was raised in the 90s even in a conservative household where condoms were a sin um i internalized that condoms were good and that if i was going to engage in sexual activity i definitely should use them 
Um, definitely, I think nineties is it definitely was just fascinating the hot. How much in in that short span of time, how how society really can react very quickly to something like that. No, it's funny because I think that, you know, growing up in the 90s, that was like the high water mark of condoms and everyone being mm-hmm. terrified of getting AIDS. And um, and now it's like the AIDS has become managed. Uh, I feel like that there's a lot of barebacking that's creeping that that's just. No, absolutely. That's creeping um, back into culture. It is. And it's, you know, it's that false sense of security, much like embezzling. Right. Um, you know, people are getting this false sense of security like, oh, I mean. You know, AIDS now is a nuisance more right. than a death sentence. Right, and that exactly. that gives people this false confidence. Yeah, it's and, like diabetes now. Yeah. It needs to be managed. And I mean, and, I mean really, the, the bigger problem with AIDS, I mean, the African continent is kind of where Certainly. that's still a horrifying ordeal. Certainly. But in America, I think, you know, you know, kids today, they don't understand what that was like sure. to like live in the shadow of that. Yeah. I think that's a death sentence if you get it. Yeah. So the sum up, uh, you know, uh, dudes, uh, listen, talk to women, listen to women, listen to their experience. Don't take it personally. Don't try to minimize it and you'll be a better dude for it. I agree. This has been a great conversation. Like so, the more, you know, I know. I feel like we need to have the rainbow and the star and the dun. I know. I agree. So we now get back to the prison where the cafeteria is turned into a prison-wide slumber party. Uh, everybody's rolling out their beds and their sacks. V and Red are uh, eyeballing each other. Red is paranoid as shit. Yeah. Uh, she's saying everyone needs to sleep in shifts. They need to use a buddy system. As people point out, no one's going to be crazy enough to try to make a move in front of all these correctional officers and 200 witnesses. But she persists. Mm-hmm. And V, for her part, saying, you know, Red's not a fighter. She's a schemer. Uh, people speculate that she's got a taser stuffed up in her cooch, which Suzanne <laughs> says, you know, it would fit up there. Um, That's where I keep mine. <laughs> <laughs> it's, you've, you, so you've gone one step beyond the vagina dente. Uh, instead of installing teeth, you actually have an electrical shocking apparatus. Yeah, it works out pretty well. And, it's um, super you know, progressive, it's difficult yeah. when I'm trying to conceive, but I work around it. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I don't know that we might have to devise something even more stronger than a human centrifuge to deal with the taser, <laughs> taser equipped well, vagina. We'll, we'll talk about this offline. All right. All right. I need, I need to some consultings for my books, cool, uh, cool. my book singular, maybe there'll be a sequel. I don't know. Uh, we'll more human centrifuge. <laughs> well, we, we talk about the honey buckets that these prisoners are going to have to piss in a bucket and nobody gets to do number twos. This is not going to fly biologically. Like when oh, it's no. time I mean, to you shit, can't just say hey, pooper. Yeah, no yeah. pooping. Yeah, right, right. I mean, and that's that. Let's 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 leave irritable bowel syndrome to the side. The yeah. call of nature can be snoozed a couple of times, and then it's like, nope, it's happening now, and yeah, you gotta shit your you, pants. You can't you can't fight it, man. Yeah. So I'm thinking this is this is a bad this is a very bad system that we got going on here. Yeah, but, but it, you know, there's nothing they can do, man. No, like, no. Everything's broken. You can only fight the power by shitting in your pants in this case, and <laughs> nobody wins Which, in that uh, war. That's going to do more harm than good, man. That's like a suicide bomb, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Soso's all about this, of course, because this is what she has wanted prison to be since she come into the door. This is – she can relate to this. This is a this is a uh, woofing organic farm experience. Uh, yeah, this is Burning Man this is going bur- on for this her. This is Burning Man for her, and she gets uh, – uh, what's the, the the lady's name that sings bitch? It's Meredith. 
Uh, Meredith Brooks. Meredith Brooks. She gets a rousing addition of a bitch going, which you think, so, this is not going to work, right? There's no way yeah. the prisoners are going to have any part of this. Also, I'm sorry. There, I love the songs that get sung in this episode, but there is no fucking way that Brooks Soso knows these songs by heart. Really? I don't think so. She's too young? I don't young? think that kids today think that the songs that she sings are cool. This is, you know, like late 90s. Hmm. And she's like 12. Well, maybe that's the point. Is that this, this, is this kind feels of... like these are Genji Cohen's favorite songs. Ah, I think these you are, hit the These nail are the songs the that Genji Cohen would sing if Genji Cohen was at prison, Lady Prison Burning Man. You're right. You're right. This is, uh, I think you've got it. You're right on. I never even thought about that angle. Uh, Angie and Leanne are hunting the kitchen for nutmeg, which I did not know until I watched this episode. But apparently four to eight teaspoons of nutmeg will make you trip balls. I feel like I've heard that. Although this, you know, draws another great Burning Man comparison. Um, but yeah, uh, I I really love uh, those two together. Like, they just have so much fun. Sure, like, yeah. They just want to get high, and that's literally all they care about, and I appreciate the purity of their intentions. <laughs> yeah, the purity of that experience. I will say that if any bald movers are thinking about doing this, that in my research... It takes six to eight hours for it to be have any effect, so this is like the ultimate pre-planned dr- party drug, and that the hangover is described as amongst the worst in all of creation. Yeah, I think I'll I'll pass. Yeah, let's uh, just not eat, all of that. Not not eat raw nutmeg. Plus, God, can you imagine woofing down like four to eight teaspoons of nutmeg? It's like the you cinnamon know, challenge you, on can steroids. Can you suspend it in a liquid? I guess you could probably make tea, but again, four teaspoons and how much fucking tea would you have to drink for that not to oh be nasty? Oh my god, just awful. This sounds terrible. It's like, like drinking every mud. Part of this experience sounds terrible. Yeah, don't don't do it. Don't do it. No. I just drink cough syrup. You'll be all right. <laughs> uh, Tucky visits with Healy. She wants a little bit of safe space in her uh, storm slumber party. Uh, she's talking about uh, how she's being recruited by the lesbian agenda. And this is this is how it operates. In, indeed. It happened to me, and now it's happening to Pensatucky. And, and Healy says, "Read this book, The End of Men. They're making babies out of tube and or tubes, and they're they're trying to make us obsolete." And I love Pensatucky's obvious uh, observation that you know, Mister Healy, men being in charge has never done me any good. Yeah. Which he retorts, "Oh yeah, who's eating free cookies? Think about that." Which I feel like that is that is the that is some of the scarier parts of the men's right movement in mm-hmm. in a nutshell. In a nutshell. No, it's it's taking something like a free cookie and equating it to something as important as, you know, autonomy over your reproductive system. Right. Uh and you know, again, like she's in prison. Like it, you know, he could have at least said you got new teeth. <laughs> true. True. <laughs> that happens. Yeah, yeah, for, for looking the other way. Yeah. So, of course, her father figure telling her to stay the fuck away is just going to drive her uh, that much closer to it. Um, Mm -hmm. We go back to Brooke leading the entire damn prison in a rousing rendition of Lisa Loeb's Stay. It is not the entire prison. The black women aren't singing. And I watched. Oh, I thought there was. Oh, really? I thought there were a few. There might have been a few, but the the bulk of the black population is not into this because I'm like they should be singing "Creep" by TLC <laughs> if they want the whole prison to get involved. Yeah, that's they need to start. They definitely need to get "Creep" going. Yeah, um, or at least "Waterfalls." If we're gonna go with this whole '90s thing, I think "Waterfalls" would be more um, a sing along though. Yeah, actually, no scrubs. I think. Ooh, perfect. I feel like more people know the lyrics. 
to um, no scrubs. Perfect. I think you solved you solved the equation. V and red. Continue- I solved the TLC sing along problem. <laughs> uh, let What's t- next? Uh, v and red stare each other. Continue to stare each other down. Uh, which triggers yet another V flashback where V visits RJ and confronts him about this uh, moonlighting he's doing. And he's like, look, I'm a grown man now, but I'm not trying to jam you up. I'll give you a percentage. And she says, you are a man, a man who loves his mama and sexy times start. And my notes just say, whoa. Yeah, this is, I mean, I know incest is like super hot right now. Is it? This, oh yeah, like Game of Thrones is doing oh, it. Okay, Downton yeah, Abbey yeah. does it. You're like, right. There's a bunch of... There's a lot of incest going on. You're right. It is even the- on like lesser shows. Yes. But um this is somehow more disturbing to me than what goes on with the Lannisters. Well, I don't know why. It's like brothers like, it's, brother, sister it's, fucking, cousin fucking, that's one thing. Who hasn't? Yeah, been there's there? no power differential there. <laughs> Here is a woman who's obviously manipulating this young man who's probably been fapping to her for years. Um <laughs> wow. And, yeah, no. Oh God! It's just so gross. It's just it's like Oedipal times a thousand because yeah. she's not his mom, but she is his mom, and, and she just has so much power over him. Even as he's trying to break free, and then she gives him this thing, and it's just like, ah, no! Like, don't do it, RJ. Don't look into the sun. And the second the second time I'm watching this, it made it even worse knowing that she's doing this to set him up to murder him. Yeah, like. It's- it's, it's it's one so step cool. away. It's it's like incestual necrophilia somehow. No, like you're having puts, sex with a corpse at this point that you or yourself are going to murder. This is some Jeffrey Dahmer shit. In um actually the scene in the last episode that I think we covered the um looks blue tastes red, uh-huh. which is Tasty's flashback sure. episode, and we see Tasty at RJ's funeral. Yeah, really recontextualizing that. And talking that. to V about it, and you think V's totally sympathetic and. Just seeing like how evil Ice she cold. actually is. Ice cold. Yeah, she's colder than that snow cone that Tasty was eating. Uh, we talked about this next scene where Piper tries to relate to Ruiz, who is worried about her boyfriend being mutant, the effect that's going to have on her daughter, and we mm-hmm. we already talked about um, you know how just utterly despairing she is about. Yeah, and, you know, Piper comes over here and being like, well, you know, we'll know each other. And Reese is so great. She's like, we don't know each other. No, yeah. Like, Piper's so stupid. Right, right. Like, you know, she's, I mean, honestly, she's more naive in this than Soso is with her sing-alongs. It's like, listen, like, there's just this huge gulf between you, and you keep thinking you can bridge it, and you just can't because you want to keep being the one who's talking, Piper. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but we got to talk about Boo playing checkers with Pensatucky because every sentence of this dialogue of this dialogue is gold. Like yes. starting with Pensatucky said, "So I, I want to talk to you about your agenda." And Boo's like, "I have several of those. Specify." Which is like, yeah. there you go. There, there is the the gay agenda in a nutshell. It's like there's many people have many things going on in their lives. There's and this is not one of those things, but anyway, yeah. it's like, you know, specified. And when she realized what she's talking about, she totally plays into it because Pentatucky above all else is really dumb. Oh yeah. Um, and they're like, uh, they don't want men to die out. Fuck no. We need slaves. And Pentatucky's, you know, is all about the D. So she's concerned about that. And she's like, well, you know, you can have sex with men as long as you throw them away as trash after you're done with them. Yeah. And the whole, well, I have to eat pussy. She was like, well, that's a big part of it. I'm not going to lie. But maybe we can make an, a religious exception. And then there's this mysterious reference to initiation. 
which I think but, we're gonna have to wait an episode to get to. Yeah, I cannot wait. Uh, do you? Want- I love this pairing. I feel like <laughs> so you good. know, Pennsylvania's been a bit at sea this season. And, you know, Boo's obviously on the outs with Red's crew. And I just really hope that season three is these two having lesbian agenda hijinks all over the prison. And I feel like that – will would Boo have sex with Pinsatucky? She doesn't seem terribly particular. I don't know. I feel like probably not, but if it was going to get her something else that she wanted, she might do it. But I think, you know, the idea of Pensatucky actually having sex with a woman, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, because, um, like, yeah, Boo doesn't have much standards, but on the other hand, like, Pensatucky, even with her new teeth, is kind of – it's not just the physical aspect, because I don't think that would deter Boo. Um, it's the, like, the fact that you're almost having sex with a child. I feel like yeah. I'm hoping I'm hoping I'm free to I'm, I'm willing to be disappointed in season three, but I'm hoping that I know Boo. I got enough a, a read about Boo that yes, she might have no regard for people's personal boundaries, and she uh, has this weird brand of lesbian misogyny that she likes to work. Um, mm-hmm. But I have I I just want to say that she has a standard. She's not going to take advantage of of uh, this poor girl from West Virginia, or Eastern Kentucky, or whatever the hell she's from. I, I think it's going to be more like, you know, um, Pensatucky's her sidekick, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, that's... I, I really think that's where it's going to go. Yeah, now she can be she can be robbing to her Batman, uh, exactly. leaving aside the whole gay, gay aspect of that particular relationship as well. <laughs> um, they uh, Tasty tries to get a game of, I think it's Tasty, fuck, kill, no, it's uh, Watson, right? She says, fuck, kill, Mary Caputo, Bennett, O'Neill. That's man. That's I don't think there's a, that. That's there's not enough uh, kills and there's a, the, the the fuck the marry the kill ratio is out of whack in that particular grouping. I feel like. Yeah. Well, and you know, if you put Lushek in there, he's he's he'd be my choice of all the the, the prison fuck? guys. Is that your fuck? Yeah. Well, I don't know. He might be my Mary. He seems like a fun person. Yeah. He's he's um, he's very childish, but you know, maybe. Yeah, but that. you know, he's like he's the kind of like douchebag you fucking college, you know. Sure, sure. Um. Yeah, man. I think. Oh God, it's so gross. I think I'd fuck Bennett, marry Caputo, and kill O'Neill. <laughs> Poor O'Neill. What has he, what what has he done? I know he's got his pedometer going, but he's going to have to work a little harder for me. <laughs> well, you know, in the Caputo, he always looks so sad, so you know he works extra hard. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Stacy <laughs> um, tries to come in at the end and try to play Fuck, Mary Kill the Huxtables, and she gets frozen out. Also, that's gross, Tasty. The Hux, yeah, like what? Don't Hux- do that. Don't do that. Yeah, like are we talking? We're not even going to entertain this because I don't want to think about it. Okay, moving on. I especially don't want to think about Elvin. So let's just <laughs> moving on to uh, Daya freaking out about the baby not being able to breathe. Uh, we see the uh, I don't know what his name is, but the older, crustier, yeah, older CEO comes in and seems like he's just being an out and out dick. Uh, making her do uh, jumping jacks, but it seems like there's some kind of psychology behind it because it actually uh, helps yeah, regulate it, it her breathing. Yeah, it regulates the breathing and, and, you know, gets you back on a regular 
breath pattern. Yeah, because it's a psychological uh, thing that's happening. So if you can bring it more back to biology, you can get it. Yeah, as, as somebody who actually does have panic attacks every once in a while, mm-hmm. it's it's a physiological problem, and you cannot think your way out of it. Certainly. So it's really important to physically stimulate or do something to get your body kind of back on the right track. Mm-hmm. So that works, even though Bennett seems like he was kind of upset about it. Now, maybe not. Uh, we move back to the Figaro party, uh, which is which is a swinging cool place, and find out that the magic number for Caputo calls uh, is 11 to get her on the horn, and he goes hard at her. Mm-hmm. Uh, we find out a little bit of backstory. It's like, look, you know, maybe if someone that didn't come up in the warden secretary pool giving out neck massages would think to order diesel for the backup generator. And she goes hard back at him, like threatens his career and says, you know, I'm going to I'm going to basically eat you for breakfast. But in the meantime, you need mm-hmm. to suck it up, buttercup. Yeah. Care to comment on anything of that? Um, I like it. It's interesting, too, because I like that they have this character who's calling her out for like, you know, maybe not sleeping her way to her current position, but definitely using her feminine wiles to her advantage. Sure. Um, it just feels different in a show written by women. I don't know exactly what I mean, but it feels like they acknowledge the full spectrum of ways you can get ahead. And they're not necessarily like Caputo's judgment of her is not necessarily their judgment of her. Certainly. Um, and you know, it's, it's more shaded than that. And, you know, I'm excited to see things come to a head between these two. It's been building all season, and, you know, this is the the girl shit that broke the camel's back. Mm. Um, we go to the Latinas making peanut butters, uh, PB&Js in the kitchen, and Red comes up as this desperate, vengeful ghost wanting to do whatever she can to get a knife so she can kill V. And... As I was thinking, this is some desperate, disgusting shit. That's exactly what Gloria is saying. This mm-hmm. is sad. You used to be something, and she doesn't need to. She doesn't need to defeat you because she's already won. Yeah. Um, no, and Gloria's like, I'm not giving you anything because once you know it comes to light that this is what happened, right. like I'm gonna get shit for it, and I'm not gonna get involved in your ridiculous war. Right. Uh, Morello goes to visit Miss Rosa because uh, she's concerned she's dead, but she says, "I'm not dead yet." And she's really feeling sorry for herself because she's like, it's not the dying or even the dying of cancer. It's the dying in this hellhole surrounded by you assholes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lorna gives her a lollipop she's had tucked away in her little belly pocket. And uh, that's a nice human touch that seems to bring Rosa back from her, a little bit of her black despair. I think we skipped a scene earlier, actually, too, with Morello, where she's talking to Piper. Yeah, I did skip it because I just am bored. Which is fine, but I thought that was, like, (laughs) like a nice little scene. I I enjoy Morello in this episode. That's my only point. (laughs) Morello is a crazy... Like Nikki said, you are a crazy person, but you also have a lot of beautiful aspects to your personality. Yeah. Um, As long as you are a white girl or, you know... Because I, the, the, there was this like disturbing racism uh, in the very early goings when she was distributing right. for freebies. She she skipped over V and was really pointed about what well, your girls need to take care of you. As long as you're yeah. white or half Asian, she is a very very nice person. Yes, and someone to throw you an emotional lifeline if you need it. Yeah. So anyway, uh, this is the conversation we alluded to earlier, where Bennett's talking about. You know, how he sees the family versus Daya, who is advocating a we-all-go-to-prison approach. Uh, We get out at the same time, and we can actually be a real family. 
Uh, or she says, or you could just go pretend this will ne- this never happen, and I'm content to content to live the lie about uh, Mendez about porn stash. And he's super offended, not offended, hurt because he's uh, getting like tears rimmed in his eyes. Mm-hmm. But she, and then then what really hurts him is she says, hey, if someone gave me that chance, I'd think long and hard about taking it. What? Yeah. What do you think about? I know you're bored of the situation, but <laughs> but. Uh, can I get you to comment a little bit about what you think about that? Dynamic? Yeah, I mean, I think they're co- they're finally coming to making some kind of choice about what's happening. And I really, my heart goes out more to Diet in this situation Certainly. because, you know, she doesn't have really any say or power over what's going on here. You always want to side with the person that has no choice versus the choices. Bennett yeah, has many choices he could make, whereas Daya is as at the mercy of whatever Bennett kind of wants to decide. Exactly. Um, so that's well, and, a pretty and just good knowing take. that he could he could make a choice at any time that's going to have huge ramifications for her and her entire family. Right. Whereas if she, I mean, because the other thing is like, well, what if she came clean about Bennett? Mm-hmm. I guess that's that would true. work, but she'd be driven. She'd be dri- She'd be drugged through. The media ringer of people doubting her, and there'd have to be paternity tests, and there'd be yeah. court cases where you know Bennett can just be smooth sailing as long as she keeps her mouth shut. So yeah, that's absolutely fucked up. Um, Angie and Leon are tripping balls off nutmeg and thinking about deeply why we wear clothes and hmm. why we are trapped inside our faces. Yeah, those are both good questions. I mean, I would say for clothes, some. Times you live in a climate that is cold. Yeah, or um, you get to swamp ass and you want some kind of absorbent layer in between yeah. those folds to collect moisture. And exactly. Also to hide our vile husks. Um, yeah. That's, that's another yeah. answer I came up with in my notes. Uh, yeah, and we're trapped in our faces <laughs> because, um, you know, physics. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because our consciousness is encased in these meat sacks, unfortunately. Exactly. Uh, Pusey and Tasty are thrown together out to save the library, which we'll get to here in a minute. Um, Yoga Jones and Piper are talking about Sister Ingall. Lest we forget, she's still in the prison uh, hospital. Apparently, it's probably stricken and, and without power as well. Um, and Piper's scared about being transferred because she has this uh, Max Penitentiary Chicago experience. And mm-hmm. uh, Yoga Jones is like, look, I spent five months at Alderson, which I'm guessing is a South Carolina prison that she's going to. Or, 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 I have I have no I think isn't Piper supposed to go to Florida? As I couldn't I honestly I didn't write it down and I wish I should I wish I did because now it's actually becoming um, a, a, a thing. Point. Yeah, but yeah, Yoga Jones is like you know it, getting out of this place was awesome. We had a craft shop and a volleyball team. I had Martha Stewart's old bunk, and Piper. Mm-hmm. This crystallizes her decision to you know, do the thing that the, the the journalist has encouraged her to do all season long, which is to go and get the hardcore proof of, of this bullshit going down. Yeah. Um, v goes out to dump a honeypot, and Red tries to strangle her. and With saran wrap, which I thought was very clever. Very clever way, because that shit would work. Yeah. Um, and V does a very clever psychological judo of just giving up and saying, do it. And... Red can't because their former friendship still means something slash she's not as cold as V slash I don't yeah, know. Red's, Red's not a killer, man. No? I don't I don't see her being a killer. Hmm. I don't think she's got it in her. Hmm. Well, I mean, I feel like if V had kept fighting her, she would have. 
But cold blood. So know. she's not I mean, a cold blooded killer. She might have in this situation, but I really don't think she could have gone through with it. I think there's a difference between being a killer and being a cold blooded killer. I, I will definitely agree that V or that Red is not a cold blooded killer. I just, I really just don't feel like she could psychologically do it. But you know, that's okay. All Having right. different opinions is what makes podcasts worth listening to. <laughs> and you know, not not killing a human being is uh, is an admirable trait. Uh, the the, totally. the the unwilling to do that. Uh, v and, and Red come to a truce, which I'm sure will be longstanding and uh, usher forward a new understanding amongst the the races in prison and the various mm-hmm. factions. It's definitely not going to be something that that uh, is violated within this very episode. Oh yeah, this is a lasting piece for sure. Uh, which triggers another flashback of V and RJ. It's after sex. She wants a fucking popsicle. Uh, if RJ gets her one, she'll let him do that one thing again. And as soon as he leaves, she gets out her phone, which we find out that V is ice fucking cold because she has her officer friend go up to RJ, toss him a gun, and then shoot him in cold blood. Which, yeah, it's strangely topical. Terrible to watch. Strangely topical, too. You know, right. with the whole Ferguson thing going on. Yep. Um, um, anything we want to talk about this? I know we've talked about this grossness of the situation and what a violation this is on many levels at length already. But Yeah. And I think, too, um, I also want to say I like the boob diversity. I am just so happy with seeing so many different kinds of boobs. Certainly. Um, and, you know, particularly because V is an older woman. Sure. And we get, you know, a, a good look at her body, and it's it's solid. You know, it's it's comforting to see so many different body types, which I'm sure is something that's come up many times. But yeah, it's a very um, it's it's a it's a it's a wide, diverse rainbow of boobs we see in the show. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting on the second watch. I mean, you can see how clearly this popsicle gambit is a ploy, and she's not even that very convincing of a liar. But, you know, he has no reason to think that she would do something like this to him. And young dudes, super horny. Yeah. Like that that can short circuit the whole, hmm, I wonder if I should be doing this uh, pretty quick. Man, do you watch The Bridge? I do not watch The Bridge. I've heard great things. Um, I don't know. This season's kind of weird, although I guess it's getting better. I'm, I'm a couple episodes behind. But the first two episodes were basically a cautionary tale of a teenage boy's penis and what it can get him in trouble with. (laughs) <laughs> uh it's another the more you know telling. yeah yeah definitely um so let's see what's going on here oh yeah it's tasty and v in the library or no tasty and Pusey in the library they're trying to save the books because the library is being flooded and uh tasty's mad because v has kicked her out and that she blames Pusey for ruining her life and she throws her to the ground and looks like she's going to start throwing punches very flashback to suzanne uh as beating a Pusey in the in in the bathroom and you can just see in Pusey's eyes that this would be the end this would be officially the worst thing that's ever happened to her in a lifetime of things bad things that's happened to her but instead, it triggers this moment of clarity, and Tasty kind of like sags to the ground and says, "I'm sorry, I'm sorry." And Pusey instantly is forgiving her, and it's kind of beautiful. Yeah, no, I'm so glad because their friendship was one of the highlights of the first season for me. Sure. And watching them go through this and not be friends anymore is is it's been a very emotionally difficult arc to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because it's not like being on the outside where if your friendship with somebody falls falls apart, you know, you can avoid each other right. in a meaningful way. 
but here, I mean, they just, they're, they're stuck there and getting them back together makes me extremely happy. No, I'm glad that we saw some reconciliation. I'd hate for these people. And you know, it's, clearly not complete and there's probably still a lot of hurt feelings and discussions oh, to have totally. going forward but i would hate you to go feel your way back into that i'd hate for that to be like a season two three cliffhanger that you know that we've got a little bit of comfort as an audience that these these two pals are going to be on the road to recovery it seems yeah uh, getting exiled from v's gang tacy didn't see it until this now is the best thing to ever happen to her yeah uh piper Waits until the guards nod off and then decides to sneak out into the prison at large and breaks into Fig's office, swipes a bunch of uh, files that are labeled, uh, actual real paper files, invoices that are labeled with Fitzcore. When the lights come back on, she tries to sneak out, but Caputo catches her. Whoa, what's going to happen here? We don't know yet. But good on Piper for uh, taking advantage of the situation. Yeah, being proactive for a change and not whining. There's a lot of uh, people being caught off guard in this in, in this episode because Fig catches her husband uh, kissing his aide, and she is so shaken by this and so surprised that she can't even confront him, be like, "What the fuck?" She just mm-hmm. you know silently walks out. And Red stands amongst her wrecked greenhouse in the morning after the storm blows through and starts to clean it up when V creeps in and schlocks her. And yeah, Sarah Jackson Holman plays cellophane out over the credits. Um, anything about the last couple scenes you want to talk about, Kelly? Um, you know, they're all pretty straightforward. Like, you know, uh, V gets in there and, you know, she's, she's out for blood and, you know, who knows what's going to happen with this file at this point. And, uh, you know, this just confirms our suspicions about Fig's husband. And, um, you know, it puts everybody kind of at the, the precipice of some interesting uh, choices and uh, decisions and stuff. So yeah. definitely, you know, definitely a solid uh, cliffhanger it definitely going set, into the finale. definitely sets up the fall of House of uh, Red and Fig simultaneously, mm-hmm. which will yeah. be interesting. Um, I remember when I was watching this, and it was late. It was hella late because I just yeah. did marathon this all week. It was like one thirty in the morning on a Sunday, on a Monday morning. So it's like you know, work was looming and all this other stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And my girlfriend was, I was like, "Oh, I guess we have to watch it." And then the final episode was a fucking ninety-minute episode, which we did not know going in. Right, right. It was rough at the at the Hubbard household uh, that Monday morning. I felt like I had been schlocked. Uh, yeah. Anything else you want to talk about the episode in a whole? Or no, I mean, you know, it, it's a very solid episode, but it's it's definitely kind of nuts and bolts. Yep. So we have one more episode to go, and then the week after that, we're going to have a reunion slash season wrap up kind of uh, retrospective. Is that something a prison, that you a prison Burning Man meetup? A prison Burning Man meetup with all the ladies that have joined me. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to do it uh, just a giant big Google Hangout, or if we're going to do like uh, one at a time. Is that something you'd be interested in doing? Uh, yes, we'll have to see how the scheduling works out, but we can we can sort it out, man. Okay, um, if you we. So as a side effect, because uh, just kind of behind the scenes making sausage, I record these things all different times and kind of like right. the batches as the ladies had different schedules. Um, 
And as one of the side effect is I recorded this back to back with the one that I did with Nina last week. So mm-hmm. we have we we cleaned out the feedback warehouse. We're we'll out to restock <laughs> for next week. We don't have any feedback to talk about. If you'd like to give us feedback, you can do so at orange at baldmove.com. You can also follow our show threads on facebook.com slash baldmove, which is also fun. We appreciate. Kelly, would you like to give one final plug for Up Yours Downstairs and your new comedy efforts? Sure, sure. So Up Yours Downstairs, we're in hiatus from Downton Abbey. Obviously, the show's not on right now, but we're doing uh, the Empire Exhibition, which we stole from Mr. Selfridge. Uh, But we're (laughs) exploring other parts of the British Empire during the Edwardian time period. Uh, Our next episode is actually going up. I have no idea when people are going to listen to this. It's going up soon, but the next episode is about uh, the movie Shackleton starring Kenneth Branagh. Mm. And uh, if you want to check out my album or find me on Twitter or Facebook, just go to kellyanakin.com and all of my stuff is there. And I will, I will hot link that for your convenience. If you're listening to this podcast, I, there was some talk a couple weeks ago about me perhaps joining you on one of these. Is that still playing in the works? Yes, for Lawrence of Arabia, which is happening. I think it, I don't even remember. It's happening at some point. All right. Well, um, we will, speaking of schedules, we'll get that worked out, but I'm yeah, super yeah. Every, excited. Every time we record one, we can never remember what the next thing <laughs> that we're doing is. So we're like, we're trying to plug the next thing, but we forget what it is. Sure, so. sure. No, I'm super excited. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, it's awesome. So I'm yeah, really we've, stoked We've never that. seen it, so I'm curious uh, how it's going to go. Well, you know, if you like, if you like Turkish prisons and, 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 and implications of male rape – then uh, you will dig Lawrence of Arabia. Spoiler alert. So, well, maybe then we can have a, another conversation about We rape. can, about the, the yeah, no. It's, it's going uh, to be the Kelly Aaron uh, calling I'll, I'll, I'll go. Yeah, I'll go, I'll go on your podcast to talk about men's rights. It's only fair. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this all sounds great. So uh, anyway, <laughs> thank you so much. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah. Hopefully we can hook it back up for the reunion cast. If not, uh, I'll, I'll be on your guys' show for the Lawrence of Arabia deal. Until next week. I'm your host, Aaron. I'm Kelly Anakin. See you guys then.